do. Thank you very much, ladies, and Josh, I appreciate your help here tonight as well. Amen. Well, open up your Bibles if you would. We're going to find your way, if you would, to the book of Isaiah, and I'll ask you to find your way to chapter 55, Isaiah chapter 55. While you're finding your way there, Brother Jack, back there for the title of the message tonight, we're going to title this, we're going to call The Spring Has Sprung, A Time of Renewal. Spring has sprung, it's a time of renewal. Now we most certainly have really enjoyed some beautiful weather this week, at least here. For some of you around the country and around the world, wherever you might be watching, I don't know how your weather might be. But for us, boy, I tell you what, this has been a fantastic week in terms of weather. Has it not? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Boy, I tell you, the first week of the spring season, at least according to the calendar, and I don't know who would, whoever it was that thought it was a good idea to go get some fat groundhog and let him decide when spring was coming. I'm just going to leave that up to the Lord. And boy, I tell you what, praise God for the weather we've had this week. Amen. Seeing the, seeing the clear skies. Oh, that's been so nice. Clear skies during the day, clear skies at night, seeing the moon and the stars. That's been beautiful. Hearing the birds and feeling the warmth of the sun. Boy, you know, I think it generally helps most people to ease some of the, I'll call it angst, maybe some of the anxiety, maybe some of the depression perhaps from the long and cold and gray winter. Perhaps more so this year given the continued extension of all of the, oh, do I dare say the word, the pandemic stuff, right? Boy, feeling that sun is just so nice. Seeing people outdoors, walking down the street, walking with their children, walking with their pets. Boy, isn't that a welcome sight? It is fantastic. It, it somehow kind of instills a fresh hope that, you know what, life does still exist. And we can, in fact, still function. Amen? Boy, I tell you, for, for months it just felt like anytime you wanted to try to do something, no, you can't do that. Or if you wanted to do that, boy, you better mask up and wear a shield and wear a helmet and wear four jackets and you better just gloves up to your elbows and I, I don't know. But I tell you, it just feels like we can start to function again. Amen. And soon, I believe, in fact, even today, I started seeing some of the grass turning green. Have you seen any trees budding yet? Yeah, see, the trees are starting to bud. The flowers are going to start growing. Do you know there was just already a couple of weeks ago, we saw our very first crocus in our front flower beds. It was standing up there proud as day. Why, it was, I mean, it was this tall, but it was standing up there in full bloom. Those flower petals were open. It was beautiful. Right next to the snow laying around it. But that's okay, because the flower was there. It was growing. It was beautiful. A most wonderful time of the year, to be sure, is the springtime. Now, there is also... Um, a practical side of spring. And I don't want to burst any bubbles. I don't want to discourage anyone. But there's, there, there is a practical side of spring. And that would be all of the cleanup around the yard. <laughs> from the winter and from the mud and from the windstorms that we've been having and tree branches and sticks and twigs and all kinds of stuff. And if you've got pets, we're just not even going to go there. But, uh, you know, you've got to clean up. 
There's, there's yards that are gonna need raking, tree branches and twigs are picked up. Perhaps you're gonna start getting new mulch out there, thinking about those. Maybe if you're given to such a thing, even pressure washing the house. I know some folks do that faithfully. And frankly speaking, there's, well, there's a lot of work to be done in the springtime, isn't there? But when that work is done, have you considered when that spring cleanup is done, oh, it clears the way, so to speak, for the blessings of enjoying all of the provisions and the beauties of God's creation and those parts of God's creation that he allows us to call ours while we abide here. Isn't that a tremendous blessing? When the work is done, boy, you can see the beauty of God's glory. Amen. This is what I trust that God will help me through his Holy Spirit tonight to receive from this message for myself as an encouragement. And I pray that it will be an encouragement for you as well. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, as we begin this message tonight, spring has sprung. Lord, there is work to be done, and even as we have just sung the song, work for the night is coming. There is much work that needs to be done. But Lord, tonight I have asked that you would open our hearts, open my heart, Lord, impress upon my heart the truth of your word, so that, Lord, I leave here changed for the better. I leave here invigorated. I leave here even revived, as it were, Father, to, oh, just to buckle down and get to work, to start cleaning up. To come out of this winter time, perhaps maybe it's even been a, a spiritual winter. Lord, maybe there are, there are some, maybe there are many who, Lord, through the winter become so depressed and it affects them in every aspect of life, including their spiritual walk with you. Father, as the spring opens up, Lord, as you would open up your word tonight through the Holy Spirit, Father, won't you encourage us to look for what we can do from your word to see the beauty and the glory of yourself in all that you have made and even in the work that you do in our own hearts. Guide us as we go now tonight. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, in our text, Isaiah chapter 55, if you have found your way there, I'm sure you have by now, uh, it opens up with a very widely applicable invitation to all who are willing to hear the first three verses of Isaiah chapter 55, read along with me. It says, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness, incline your ear and come unto me here, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Now it starts out, ho, everyone that thirsteth. This is kind of like maybe you're out in a, a group activity and you're on a treasure hunt or a scavenger hunt or something like that, and in your group you've got everybody's looking around for what you're searching for and everybody's trying to find it, and all of a sudden one guy comes along over way off in the other side of the yard or something and says, hey, hey, over here, I found it, I found it, come over here. I get the feeling that that's the way this, this, this chapter starts out. Ho, ye thirsty, everyone who thirsts, Come ye to the waters. It's a, hey, pay attention. This is good stuff. Come over here because this is what we're looking for. Come to the waters. 
And he that hath no money, come, buy and eat. You don't have any money, that's okay, because this isn't going to cost you anything but to listen. You can eat to your heart's content. You can take as much of these waters of the Holy Spirit as you desire, and it's not going to cost you a thing. And boy, you're going to be satisfied to the full. But you have to come. Now the prophet here is saying, and he's telling us, I believe he's telling us the very thoughts of our Heavenly Father and Creator and Caretaker. Is not God our caretaker? There's no one on earth that can take care of us like God can. God is our caretaker. And I believe that these are words that come from the heart of God as the prophet Isaiah uh, gives them to him. He's saying to us here, stop wasting your time and your money and your efforts on things that cannot possibly resolve what you are truly looking for. Now what does that mean? Well, I'm reminded of... um, Oh, you see them from time to time. Maybe you see them advertised or you can find them online in all kinds of different places that sell things. I'm reminded of uh, the first thing that came to mind with this was uh, what you what they call them, these uh, anti-depression sun lamps. Now, please don't get me wrong. I fully acknowledge and support the physiological benefits that these lamps may have been proven to provide. But... I have to also believe that they are, to some degree, a false help. Or at the very least, at best, they are only a temporary help. People will go and spend hundreds of dollars on devices that they think and that they believe and some science might actually support will help them to feel better for a very, very short time. If that were not the case, then I have to believe that the providers of these devices, providers of medications that help us to feel better temporarily, providers of therapies that help us to feel better temporarily, but don't actually really solve the problems, all of these, friends, they'd be out of business overnight. If, in fact... They actually solved the problem that you're looking to resolve. Amen. Amen. The sun lamps, they're a great thing, and they do help with some depressions. And I know that the vitamin D from the sun that does some physiological things, and boy, it makes you feel good, and it makes you feel alive, and it's fantastic. And you can go in the dark of night, in the dead of winter, when it's 12 below zero outside. You can go into your living room where it's a nice, cool 63 degrees. I don't know how warm your, your living room is, but you can go and sit in front of the sun lamp, and boy, turn that baby on, and oh, that just feels so good. Absolutely it does. Until you go, click. Where'd my sun lamp go? <laughs> um, now it's 63 degrees in here again. It's starting to feel cold. And uh, boy, you know, I'm going to turn that back on. It's a temporary measure. They have value for a time. But that's all they are is a valuable temporary aid. Would that we would recognize the permanent solution. Are you ready for this? 
of the sun lamp. Hold on. How did you come up with that? By the grace of God, watch this. Jesus Christ is the very Son of God. The very Son of God, according to the Gospel of John, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Son of God is the Word of God. And in Psalms it says that the Word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Christ is the Son lamp. Amen. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's a permanent solution. Clark. There is no <laughs> there, there is no quick to that one, that's for sure. Look at this invitation again, if you would. Chapter 55 here, verse uh, 2, starting in verse 2, the second half of verse 2, it says here, um, well, let's start, verse 2, Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, your labor for that which satisfieth not? He says, Hearken diligently unto me, and eat that, uh, eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, what? To the word of God. Come unto me, where? To the Son of God. Hear. Now that word hear is the very same word as hearken. It's the very same word as hearken diligently. It is hearing to the point of creating action to obey. You can sit and hear. Okay, yeah, I hear it. It goes in one ear and out the other. Or you can hear and say, boy, that is, that is life-changing. That is good stuff. If I do what God says, whew, boy, that's, i, I got to go do it. That's hearing as he's talking about here. Hearken diligently unto me, eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, come unto me, hear, and here's the result. Your soul shall live. And, oh, this is beautiful right here. Watch this. And I, this is the prophet Isaiah speaking the heart of God. God tells us, I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Even the sure mercies of David. How long is everlasting? It's not temporary. <laughs> it's not click. Oh, let me turn that back on. He says, I will make an everlasting covenant. Do you know what covenant is? That's a contract. That is a signed, sealed, this will not change kind of a contract. And it's forever. And he says, even here's what this contract is. This everlasting promise of God, he says, they are even the sure mercies of David. What does that mean? What does that mean, the sure mercies of David? Well, God is speaking, of course, of the very mercies that were extended to King David through his life, and especially those that we've been studying here on Wednesday nights as Pastor has been helping us through the Psalms. Surely, you recall the several weeks that we spent uh, through going through Psalm 32 and 33. Uh, most recently, even the, uh, the God's rehabilitation plan, the six steps of, of rehab, if you, or the eight steps, rather, of rehab, if you will. Um, if, you, if you're not sure of what we're talking about, they are posted as a resource out on our website. You can go and look at those on your own. But for those who might think that they have done too many bad things... God can't save me. God can't help me. Take a look, if you will, on your own time. Take a look. Start studying David's life. Start looking at the things that David did. Start looking at the consequences of those things that David did. And yet all the while, 
as you look through the Psalms and as you study what David wrote, you find God's mercies as David records them throughout the Psalms. As many bad and horrible and egregious things as King David did at points in his life, did you know that God called him a man after God's own heart? Those are the sure mercies of David. And it says right here in my Bible, and I believe it says the same thing in your Bible, that it says, I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. That's what I'm willing to give to you as well. The mercies of God. In our text tonight, we also go on to find two simple things to start with. How do we do all of these things? How do we get to this point where we might have this everlasting covenant with God and God will extend to us the very mercies that he extended to King David? Two very simple things to start with. Join me at verse number 6. Isaiah chapter 55, verse number 6 says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Now I began to wonder what that meant when I read, while he is near. Well, what does that mean, while the Lord is near? Have you ever heard someone say, or God forbid, but maybe you've even thought this yourself, if God is so pure and holy and righteous and cannot coexist with sin as you guys keep talking about, there's no way that he could ever be near enough to me for me to feel it because I'm just that bad. Or something along those lines. Something to that effect. If God is so pure and holy, he couldn't possibly come near me. I'm, uh, <laughs> there are several problems with that line of thinking. But I, I don't want to delve into those tonight. I don't, I don't want to, I'm not interested in exploring what might be wrong with that thinking. What I want to think about, what I want to explore tonight, is I want to see what is the reality of what this says is the nearness of God. I'm going to ask for just a little bit of help. Brother Jack, <clears throat> would you look up for me, please, Job chapter 12 and verse number 10. Job 12 and verse 10. Clark, would you mind looking up a verse for me? Psalm 104 and verse 29. And just hang on to that for me for a minute. While they're looking those up, the rest of us, can we turn together to Acts chapter 17, please? Turn with me to Acts chapter 17 if you're so inclined. I'll read it, but you can certainly turn, turn with me there to, to see it for yourself as well. Acts chapter 17. Hold your finger there, and we're going to be back in Isaiah as well in just a moment. Considering, if you will, this, this idea of the nearness of God, let's see what Scripture has to say about it. Jack, have you got Job chapter 12 and verse 10? In whose hand is the soul of every living thing and the breath of all mankind? In whose hand is the soul of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. Now that sounds to me, accordingly, whether you have accepted Christ as your Savior yet or not, your breath is in the very hand of God. And I have to believe that God is holding that near to himself. So for those that say, I'm too bad... God would never come and save me. Friend, I'm going to tell you, God is holding your life in his hand and he is very near and, and he's holding it there to give you that opportunity to see that he loves you anyway enough to send Christ to die for you. Do you see? If you are still able to breathe, 
If you are still living, God is near. Now in Acts chapter 17, look with me if you will. I'm going to start reading in uh, chapter 17 and verse 24. The Bible says here, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they, we, all of us, all of mankind, that they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. Verse 28 says, for in him we live and move and have our being. You see, God is near. So whatever your spiritual state is tonight, saved or not, God is near. The Bible says, our text tonight says that we should call upon the Lord. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon the Lord while he is near. Friend, if you don't know the Lord, don't wait until you feel like you might clean yourself up enough Christian, if you've fallen away somewhat in your walk with God, don't wait. None of us knows when our appointed time. Remember that? It said that the times were already appointed before. That's what the Bible said in in the book of Acts. Don't wait because none of us knows when our appointed time may be, as we just read. The longer we wait, it becomes harder and harder and harder to humble ourselves and to follow through with calling upon the Lord while he is near. Then suddenly, we might experience, because if we wait too long, we very much might experience the reality of Psalm 104, verse 29. Clark, if you got that, would you read that out for us? Thou hatest thy face, uh, they are troubled. Thou takest away their breath, they die, and return to the dust. Do you see that when God is no longer near, he has removed the breath because he holds that in his hand. They die and return to dust. That is the only time that we will find that God is no longer near. And it's too late. Do not wait Do not let that reality cause you to lose out. You remember Hebrews 9.27, as it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. Don't let this reality cause you to lose out on the blessings that God has in store for you. The second simple thing, I said that there were two simple things. The first is to seek the Lord and to call upon his name. The second simple thing to do is found in Isaiah 55 and verse number 7. Look there with me. It says, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord. And he will, look at that, he will have mercy upon him and to our God. That is to let him return to our God. For he will abundantly pardon Well, now, 
Remember, remember from verse 3 where it said, an everlasting covenant, the sure mercies of David? That is the very mercy that God is talking about granting right here in verse 7. He says he will have mercy upon him. It is a sure mercy. And, it will, and he will abundantly pardon. Let me ask you, how much is abundantly? Yeah, yeah, abundantly. If we were to look it up, Webster's 1828 Dictionary, because I don't trust any of the recent ones, but Webster's 1828 Dictionary defines the word abundantly as fully, amply, plentifully, in a sufficient degree. In other words, abundantly pardon means that God has exactly as much pardon as I need, as you need, as we need for each one of us individually, always enough, no matter what. He will abundantly pardon. Oh, that sounds way too simple. Come on, he can't be those two simple steps. I get it. How could God do all of that? How could God save such a sinner like me? I get it. Again, I'm not going to debate that with you. The simple answer is this. If we could really understand how God could do all of these things, we wouldn't need God, would we? Oh. Oh, there's a thought. If we could understand how God does this, we wouldn't need him. But more so than that, friends, you know, we don't have the ability to fully understand this. That's what God is telling us in verses 8 and 9 of our text. Look back into Isaiah 55 with me. He says there, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see, there is no possible way we can understand how God might pardon abundantly. Friends, we don't need to understand that. To have the ability to understand that perfect grace and mercy and abundant pardon, we would have to have a perfect, a pure, a holy and an utterly righteous spirit that is incapable of being corrupted to understand that kind of perfect mercy and pardon. I'm not there. (laughs) I don't know of anyone else walking on the earth ever except for the person of Jesus Christ when he was walking on the earth that has ever been there to be able to have that kind of a spirit that is uncorruptible. So for now, despite all the arguments we might want to make about this, well, how this and how that, for now, we must accept it as a rock-solid, unfailing truth because the perfect, holy, righteous, incorruptible God said it. (laughs) Take it to court. I don't know what other evidence you're going to present because the incorruptible, unchangeable, unfailing, incapable of lying God promised it. Now, here comes the best part. Boy, this has been good so far. I've so much enjoyed this, but this has been good so far, but here comes the best part. God did not 
Nor will he ever give this kind of a charge, give this kind of an instruction without also giving us the tools to use to accomplish that task. Did you know that? Did you realize that? God says, it's simple. Seek ye the Lord while he, is, while he may be found. Call upon the Lord while he is near. Turn from your wicked ways. Repent. Come back to the Lord. Ask for the forgiveness, and he will. It's so simple. Yeah, but, boy, you, just, you don't know what I've done. I don't care what you've done. You don't know what I've done. God knows. God fully understands it more than I can even understand what I've ever done. And God has said, in his perfect and pure and holy and righteous way, come to me and I will. Continuing here in Isaiah 55, look with me at verses 10 and 11. You see, I just said that God will give us the tools that we need. Look at verse 10 with me very quickly. We're just about done here, but look at verse 10 with me. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven... and Wait a minute. Didn't I start this thing saying it was spring? Why are we talking about snow again? Relax, it's going to get better. You just watch this. Here we come. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth, and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater... So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. What did he just say? He just said that the word of God, which is the lamp, to my feet and the light to my path has the tools for me to be able to turn from my wicked ways to accomplish the task as God would be pleased with. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, right? It's what the Bible says. It's what we have proven time and again in our personal lives. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He has given us the tools we need to accomplish what God says pleases him. And they are all found in, what did the verse say? My word that goeth forth out of my mouth. Yeah, but Isaiah wrote these. No. (laughs) No. Nope. Isaiah didn't write it. Isaiah recorded it. God spoke it to and through Isaiah, and he recorded it for you and me. Praise God. Amen. Now, Perhaps as you hear this, you're hearing how God is giving us the tools to use. Maybe the Holy Spirit might bring to your remembrance James 1.22. If he didn't, it's okay. He brought it to my remembrance as I was thinking about this. James 1.22 says, But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And he most certainly brought that to my mind. But then he led me on in that same chapter to verse number 25. James 1 and verse 25 says, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, that's the word of God, and continueth therein, he, being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. It does not say a doer of the word here. It says but a doer of the work that God has given us to do. Using the tools that God has given us to use, he says this man shall 
be blessed in his deed. That deed is to come to God, to repent of our wicked ways, to turn from them, to serve the living God, and to please him. He says he will be blessed. He will be able to accomplish that task. Boy, what a promise is that. That's some good stuff. Praise God. Just as the springtime has a reality of much work to be done to see and to experience the true beauty and splendor of God's creation, friends, so must we put in much work, as we just saw, to see and experience the true beauty and blessings that God says he will give us. To see the true beauty and the blessing of God's creation as God wants to use it for others will suddenly be seen after his work has been done by us and in us. Uh, One final word from Isaiah 55 because we need to get to our prayer time very, very quickly. One final word, the result of doing this work that God has given us, using using these tools. Verse 11, once again, says, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Here's the greater result. For ye shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. Friends, that's the joy and the peace that I want. Isn't that the joy and the peace that we all seek? Isn't that the kind of calm spirit and uplifted and joyful and peaceful spirit that we all search for so much of the time? The answer is right here in the Word of God. God is the answer. That's the joy and the peace that I want. How about you? Amen? Oh, God is good. And the Word of God is even better. I don't know if he can get better than God. Maybe I shouldn't have said that because God is good and the word of God is good, period. (laughs) And the word of God has the answers. Amen? All right. We need to get to our prayer time here tonight.